and welcome back to the Dreamcast. I am your host, Denise Walsh. I combine science, scripture, and stories that will inspire you to dive deep, break through your own personal glass ceiling, and design a life of your dreams. I believe we can thrive in all areas of life at the same time. But where do we begin? relationally, financially, with our health or our business? And how do we keep ourselves motivated without feeling discouraged that things are just not happening fast enough? Can you relate? I know for me, when I'm ready for a change or I've set myself a goal, I would like it yesterday. When it's really day by day that we take consistent action that we see lasting change. And this is exactly why I created my dream life journey journals. We first started with the Dream Life Daily Journal and now we have the Dream Life Everyday Journal as well because picking one goal to focus on and working through it every day will help you to create a personal vision that is one you can stay excited about. In the Dream Life Everyday Journal, you'll learn why loving your life today is vitally connected to living your best life in days to come. You'll also learn the keys to making those bad days a thing of the past including the power of gratitude and how it jumpstarts success, how reflection can lead to you taking massive action despite setbacks, the one action you can take right now to break negative cycles and behaviors forever. Don't let the naysayers or your own negative mindset stand between you and your dreams. This easy-to-use guide equips you with the tools to not only chart your progress to success, but also to embrace the journey to a dream life. Visit dreamlifetoolkit.com or Amazon to learn more and purchase your copy today. Big, big welcome back to the Dreamcast. Our next guest was forced into an unexpected career transition. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was laid off. Have any of you ever experienced that? And it was imperative that he muster the strength to find a new way to provide for his family. He thought to himself, how can I maintain a positive outlook after being let go and forced to deal with the cruel reality of landing a new job, position, or career? He was in this space for a bit of time. And then one morning, a single message awakened him and pounded in his head. He thought, I must be strong for my family. And he quickly reached for his nightstand journal and wrote the word strong. Stand tall, remain optimistic. Now go for it. Ooh, he is passionate about the power of our words and the indisputable impact that they have on our lives. And he has recently written Above the Chatter, Our Words Matter, powerful words that changed my world forever. And today he's going to share his personal experience as well as a bit about his recent TED Talk, Your Words Matter. Please welcome Bruce Pulver to the Dreamcast. Hi, Denise. How are you? Yay. Thank you so much for being here. I had the opportunity to be in the audience when you did your TED Talk, Your Words Matter, and your story really connected with the audience and specifically to me. And and I know it's going to connect with those who are listening today as well. So before we dive into the TED Talk and the book, I'd love to hear a bit about what you did prior to this unexpected career transition. Well, as you had mentioned, I'd spent a bunch of years in the healthcare technology uh, industry and had various levels of of success uh, through the process, selling customer 
support, training, that kind of work. I mean, it was really my passion to be in that industry. During the period in which I was born, we were the benefactor of the medical community in a big miracle way. And just as I grew up, I was sort of drawn towards the healthcare industry and just launched right out of college uh, into that business and had a, had a wonderful career. But as everything in this, you know, as the industry has changed and sort of the corporate world has changed, your positions and your, your comfort and all of that in, in a job can change really quickly. And I, and I learned that, you know, kind of the hard way with a, with a big layoff that, uh, that I was consumed and, um, you know, kind of wrapped up in with a lot of other folks at the same company I was with. Okay. And so how long had you been at that company? Oh my gosh, that company was uh, 25 years. Yeah. Okay. A long so time. 25 years. Yeah. And you loved it and you weren't expecting to make a change or even looking to make a change. And so what did you do after, you know, the first day when you go, I don't have a job to go to? Well, it all actually started in the drive home, you know, it, it's sort of like, it's, you know, it's a 20 mile drive from the house and, you know, it was noon when they had this layoff happen and, you know, you arrive home early and, you know, your family's there, you know, my wife was there, kids were at school, of course, but there's all that, right? There's the denial. Well, that was, <laughs> must've been a mistake. It wasn't me, right? And then you kind of go through that process and then you, you know, you started are angry about it maybe. And then you, you kind of go through the, well, is it me? <laughs> you know, it was a really not performing the way I thought I was. And then, you know, you ultimately are going to either kind of spin in the ground or what I kind of say is you got to figure this thing out some way or another to, to dig yourself into a better position and try to make the most of, you know, I call this a BAM moment, right? It's when everything was floating along pretty well and then make the sound BAM and everything changed in a minute. So there were all kinds of emotions going through. And yeah, it took a while to sort of draw on, you know, where my history was or where my, where I could find some strength. Yeah. I mean, when you'd been in that career for 25 years, did you immediately think, well, there's competitors I could go to, or did you use this as a chance to rethink about your career and what you wanted to do? Yeah. You know, I did take some time. There were some opportunities to get some, some outplacement coaching. I really felt like I needed to understand kind of what was going on before I just jumped back into the, you know, the same frying pan, right? Yeah, there's a network, there's, there's folks you've known, you've worked with. Um, and I got some really good help around how to think in a process like this. Um, that was even before the writing started. Some advice that I got was to sort of take an inventory of the things that uh, you've been successful at. I mean, go ahead and, and write your own sort of advertisement about the things that you did do well. I mean, you got to remember that stuff, that it's the circumstance, it's not necessarily the person, and not get those two woven too tightly together. I also had some folks recommend to me that I find three very close professionals or personal uh, relationships that I could go to and ask them a couple of very specific questions. Like, number one, what, and this isn't to get, you know, a cheerleader, this is to get real feedback. What is it that you think I'm good at? You know, in the times that we've worked together, what would you say Bruce is noted for in your mind? Uh, what do you see me doing in the future? And then why? So if you could ask three of your friends, your clo you know, close contacts, you know, that you really trust. And again, you're not looking for a, a cheerleader or a grandstand high five. You really want some insight. That 360 was really important to me because it allowed me to say, not just take, oh, I'm so sorry for what happened. But okay, where do we go from here? And that really helped me. And of course, that was some advice from some professional career coaching help that I got. Mm, I love that. It's true because you have the initial shock 
and the initial like, what the heck, you know, and, and, and the grief and the disappointments and the uncertainty and insecurity that comes. But then at some point you say, all right, well, now what? Now what? And you did that. And then you started asking for help and you started asking for feedback and you started kind of giving yourself time to say, what is it that I really want to do next? Tell me about when the the words that you wrote in this book, and we'll get to that next. How did those words start coming to you? Just like you read uh, in the opening, it was a morning. I mean, it was really the morning after this, after the layoff. I woke up and, you know, I think we'll talk about this maybe down the road to give you kind of a little bit more, more backstory to it. But I just was focusing and that word was just there when I woke up in my mind and the word was strong and you you kind of read it. And, you know, my, my, uh, my upbringing gave me some, maybe a little bit of understanding of, of words and structure and thinking about them. Cause it wasn't just, uh, that event, you know, th- there was always this word curiosity in my mind, but it, it came and I took it and I wrote it down. And I think that's also something important is when you're going through a situation of any kind of challenge, rely on things that, that can help you get the perspective outside of your mind. Maybe it's drawing, maybe it's writing, maybe it's running, maybe it's meditating, maybe it's something that you maybe haven't done or have put off or, or it just comes to you. I would say embrace that and just see where it goes. Because that's all I can say here. But there was never a, okay, for the next tomorrow, I'm going to do this again. I just woke up the next morning and there was another word. And that word continued. And I just kept writing. Yeah. And so whenever you saw a word, you also saw like an acronym for it. So strong was stand tall, remain optimistic. Now go for it. And, and and you started seeing it consistently. Every morning you'd wake up and another word would kind of pop into your mind. How did these words give you encouragement during a dark time for you? First of all, I needed them. I almost became addicted to, okay, what's tomorrow? So day two was, I believe it might have been the word awesome. And awesome became a wonderful experience shall overwhelm my expectation. So I looked at a word, just the letter, and this is just me. We can talk about this, kind of where it came from maybe, but it was a gift. I wrote it down and then I tried to activate the word. So after this whole process, what I've learned from it was that a powerful word, you know, whether it's been in your, when your upbringing, maybe there was a coach that, that had a real powerful word about pushing through something or you need a trigger or getting traction in your life or whatever. Maybe there was a a music uh, director who just talked about work and practice and rehearsal and repetition, some sort of word that is meaningful and powerful to you. I just looked at it and I used the letters to define it. There are some friends and and some feedback I've gotten from, from readers of the book who've said it really just blossomed the meaning of a word by just using the letters in it. And it's not anything super creative. It's just, you know, what does that word mean? And that's what the gift that I was given. And it just kept coming. I mean, 400 consecutive mornings, we got a new word. And I don't mean, and I never went to the dictionary or never looked up a thesaurus and said, oh, let's try another version of that word. I just let it go and, and write it down. Mm. And uh, it helped me. So what did I get out of that? I got a little bit of encouragement for that day. Now, it could also have been inspired by something that may have occurred, you know, lunchtime. It wasn't always the same time in the morning, but maybe there was, ah, that's, you know, I needed that. Or, or, or even in a conversation with someone, a word will come out and I just wrote it down and I looked at it and it was a gift. I've got to say it wasn't anything that I am like this master literary person about. It, it was just a gift. 
it sounds like affirmations on steroids a little bit. You know, it gives you kind of that that intentional focus that you can put your energy into. For example, you know, the strong, stand tall, remain optimistic, now go for it. When you have your energy put and you, and you read that consistently, you feel better. You feel stronger, right? And I didn't even mean to do that. <laughs> you do. Yeah. You feel stronger. And so I can see how when you were receiving this and you were putting your attention and emotion into the words you were receiving, you f- would feel blossomed. You would feel stronger. And it gave you kind of that affirmation for the day. So tell us where it came from, because I love this story. I was raised by two amazing, well, everybody believes their parents are amazing. I've come to realize I've had a very unique childhood. Uh, only after, you know, this book has blossomed out and and just having conversations with others. My father was crazy about crossword puzzles and words and plays. He actually wrote a play or two. And so that whole side of it was sort of this wordiness. I mean, he would look at a word and, and you know, just break it down a different way or, or turn it upside down. And it was sort of that dad humor, you know, that as a as an adolescent, a teenager, it drove you crazy, right? Your, your folks are kind of nerdy, et cetera. And so he, he did a lot of that. And, he, and you know, as, as I say in my, I kind of gave an example in the TEDx talk, he was very creative with words. And, and, and one of the plays he wrote, some of the characters, their names in the play defined their profession. You know, so one of them was, you know, the, the sheriff in the town. Uh, her name was uh, Lauren Order. And, you know, so you go, really, Dad? And I mean, he had like 30 characters. I used about three or four of them in the TED Talk to kind of describe my dad. But the weatherman from Europe, his name was Gustav, first name, and his last name was Wind. So Gustav Wind, the weatherman. So, yeah, so I kind of was around that. Okay, so that was sort of, you kind of figure out why later. So that was Dad. And Mom suffered a medical tragedy on the day I was born. I, I often say the day I was born, I broke her heart because literally she had a what's called a dissecting aortic aneurysm during labor. And a little more detail about that is, you know, your your veins and your arteries have an inner lining and an outer lining. It's kind of like a bicycle tube and a bicycle tire. And as I understand it, the blood flows through the inner tube. And if the inner tube blows out, then the blood gets between the inner tube and what would be the actual tire that would be on the road, right? However, that tire is actually the thickness of wet tissue paper. So if you blow through the inner to inner wall, most cases, unless it's caught immediately, nowadays, the patient can bleed out and die. Well, our situation was back in the early 60s, where that procedure was not perfected. And in fact, the longest survivor of a dissecting aortic aneurysm during labor was 72 hours prior to my mother. We were at a hospital in, in Connecticut that was affiliated with Yale, United, Yale University Medical Center. And there were two visiting professors from Tulane University who were experimenting with aortic valve replacement. They were called over to take a look at my mother and she spent the next 30 days fighting for her life with various uh, valve surgeries and aortic surgeries and heart surgeries. And was blessed to have those physicians there and ultimately make a full recovery and live until I was 22 years old. So you take dad and his craziness and passion for words and my mother who had this gratitude for life every day after, and that was my upbringing. Okay. So fast forward, I hit this bam moment. Maybe those triggers just kicked in 
where I had to find a way to be strong and grateful. And the words were a way to make that happen. Wow. I got the chills. Goodness. And I can see why you went into the medical field as well, because you were really passionate about offering high quality, you know, medical devices to other families who could absolutely change their lives too. And what I love about this is that, you you know, and we know, we often don't see the why until the end, you know, we don't necessarily see why all, how this all strings together, the ebbs and flows of your life, the relationships uh, until we get to a bam moment. And then we can, that often gives us a chance to really reflect and to take a step back and think for a minute. And for you, these messages started coming. So 400 days in a row, I'm going to share with you a few of my favorites. So um, one of my favorites was Miracle. It says, made especially from God's hand, instilled with a divine blessing, received a second chance one day, accept this gift with uncertainty chosen for unknown reasons, live each day thankful for God's gift, embrace each day with appreciation. And then my other one, let me find it, it was back here. Inspire, improve yourself, nurture others, support effort, praise good, infuse positivity, respect everyone, encourage progress. You know, I feel like when you are in a funk or a hard situation, when you have these types of inspirational words coming to you, you can't help but say, all right, there's more to the story. You know, there's more to the story. We're not, we're not done yet. So tell me a little bit about why you decided to create this book and how that was born. So after probably two or three weeks of morning writing, I just started texting them in a group text to friends. Hey, this one, because they kind of knew what was kind of going on a little bit. And maybe it was after a month, Denise. And the feedback was incredible. I mean, let me back up just for a second. 30 days into this job loss, I found another career. It took off. Everything was amazing. It was a great opportunity. I took it, but the writing continued. So it wasn't just this gap thing. And, and I guess what I tried to do was pay attention to it. I tried to let it let it come to me and see because after you know two mornings it's no longer a coincidence and then as it just continues you go okay this is coming from somewhere i just have to leave the faucet on and write so i started sharing this with with various friends whether it was coworkers, whether it was neighbors whether it was you know with with the, with the social media connection i didn't really start putting it out there but just some friends that i'd reconnected with and one of them was a pediatric heart surgeon, right? So a friend of mine from school, and he would text me. I, usually it was 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock. Sometimes I'd write these in, in the morning and out they go. And my friend texted me back one morning and said, I was just scrubbing for a surgery on a newborn with a heart the size of a walnut. And I needed what you sent me today before I went into surgery. So that was like, okay. This is beyond Bruce Pulver. I had someone else tell me that that the word that I sent to them that morning helped them through their chemo session that day. And I'm not saying that this was all because this writing is awesome. So don't take that the wrong way. It was just when you get validation that you're doing something, you get validation at that level. The power to continue writing just is overwhelming. So... And it wasn't the 400th day I decided we need to now make this a book. It actually evolved from a three ring binder of messages, which I actually wrote these on my, my phone note, note thing of my 
you know, use a little technology there. But I, I put them in a three ring binder as a Christmas gift to my daughters halfway through this thing or so. And it was called a wordy dad versus the chapter of you know, the name of the book. And that gave me some validation, some encouragement. And, you know, then I just this thought, OK, now, how do you do this? Because uh, I've never done a book. Never, I mean, the last person that thought I would write a book was my high school English teacher. Right. I mean, I was not that guy in English class. that was a literary, you know, savant or anything. And so I had to just go out and kind of research how I wanted to do it. And we, we landed with a company that said they wanted to do the book. And I felt good about the gift. I mean, I had to really personally protect what was written because it was a gift. I didn't want to just lob it out to any kind of publishing company or, you know, have someone rework it or, or you know, turn it around and do something different. I, I really felt like it was, it was almost complete as it being done. And I don't mean that to sound arrogant or anything like that, but because I was given the messages, I needed to make sure I was very conscious about protecting how it emerged into the universe. And, you know, it took about, I don't know, probably eight months or so going through edit, you know, just the stuff to do a book. And um, then it came out and man, when it landed on my front front porch with the box books and the first, you know, print, it was, it was pretty moving. I'll tell you that for sure. Yeah. That's inspiring. And then how did the TED Talk come about? The company that helped me with the book also sort of, I don't know how this all works, but they acquired the rights to hold a TEDx talk in a certain community. And I think that's kind of the way TEDs work. And I was, I basically, I was invited to audition. And, you know, that was a whole nother. Writing a book and sharing the messages is one thing really getting to the point where you think you have a message that might be relevant to others is a, is a, quite a chasm to cross because I never want to be assumptive that the, I mean, you wrote some, read some words that I, re, I remember writing and, and the fact that they meant something to you is very val- validating to me, but, but I never assume that here, have a book, get happy. I, that that's never a, a ever, ever crossed my mind. It's sort of, this is not a light switch you flip on or flip off. It's something that, is difficult at some point to, to say my issue, my situation is significant enough to talk about that it can impact others. And that took a period of time to, to get to. I've seen so many motivational speakers and, you know, sales meetings where you, you have these great stories and, and you go, oh my God, my life is, my life is like a hangnail compared to that person's scenario where something so devastating happened, right? So by doing enough talks and and kind of defining this moment of the BAM moment where that's kind of relatable, I kind of evolved to the point where, yeah, I want to audition for this. I mean, it wasn't automatic. It was a lot of doesn't matter, right? You're really self-searching about that. So I said, I said, yes, let's just, let's just do it and see what happens. So it was a little two minute video. You submit it, then you wait, and then you get the uh, invitation or not to actually go out and do the actual audition. So I think maybe there were, I don't know the numbers, maybe 500 original auditioners, they narrowed it down to maybe a hundred and to come out to Dallas and do the audition. Then you waited for the announcement of how many they picked. And, and I was very, very fortunate to have the opportunity to um, work the hardest I've ever worked in my life to try to prepare a 14 minute talk about, and we've been, we've been talking for now 30 minutes and then kind of make that something that tried to be applicable and what an amazing experience it was. I'm, I'm still, I think on cloud nine of, of that whole experience. 
And Bruce's TED Talk went live just last week. So we'll put the link in the show notes below. So definitely check that out to get an even more in-depth overview of why and how these words started coming to him and how they've impacted his life. Another thing that you've done with this book is you donate. You donate copies every single time somebody purchases one, you donate one. Tell me about that. Again, the book was a gift and I'm in the healthcare business and the healthcare industry has helped me, helped our family. So what I started doing, and I'm in hospitals all the time, is when I go for an appointment or a sales call, you know, I'll ask, you know, the, uh, the person with whom I'm meeting, could you introduce me to whoever handles your family outreach program or whoever manages your family library or your social services community? And it's, it's usually a yes, because there's not an ask. I'm not looking for anything there except an introduction. And usually I'll, I'll leave a book with the person I've met with. And when I get that name, I'll just, you know, either go over to that area when I'm there or contact them and email them and say, I'd like to send you a book. And if you believe that it fits in your mission, or if you believe there's something there that could help your families and your communities, and you, mostly it started with children's hospitals, then I just say, how many do you want? Usually it's, you know, three or four to put in their library that folks can check in and check out. And and that, that sort of became part of the whole vision of the book when we made the decision to do it as a book. So where it's gone has been just, first of all, there's the ripple. I believe in the ripple. You drop a pebble in the water and out goes the ripples and you don't know how far out that can go. So usually with a gift, whether it's an individual, you know, a driver that I may have that takes me to the airport or something like that, we get in a conversation, I'll, you know, we'll get into some, we'll definitely get into talking about this stuff because everybody has a story and it's really easy to do that. They'll say, well, what do I owe you for the book? And I'll say, well, here's what you owe me. If you find that there's something in this book that'll mean something to somebody else, either share it with them or buy one for them. And that way it has the opportunity to touch people that I will never know. And that's really what I want this message to do. I want folks to have tools. I want folks when they're in a situation where, you know, they don't know whether to go right, left, up or down. Maybe there's something that they can just focus on that gives them a little bit of a, of traction. So that's how we've done it. And it's been grassroots and, you know, I'm, I'm looking to, to grow this and find some organizations that would be willing to join me and maybe make some books available through some of their grants or some of their gift programs or things like that because the feedback's been incredible and I just want to do more of it. Awesome. Awesome. So if you know anybody either at children's hospitals or homeless shelters, orphanages, Ronald McDonald houses, anywhere where there's a gives back sort of situation and you're interested in getting some of these books to use in that way, go to above the chatter your words matter.com. Above the chatter your words matter.com and you'll see all of Bruce's details and information so you can reach out to him and say all right, I've got you. I've got a place. And you know, that's the power of, of community is that everybody has something to offer. So there will be people that listen to this that say, I have an ability. I work for at a homeless shelter or I volunteer at a school or we'd love to include what you have. So, uh, so yeah, if you, if you have a connection guys, then connect with Bruce and we can continue to help you spread this message. So my guess is you're still working the sales job. Is that right? Oh, yes, absolutely. You know, there's uh, this is this sort of a dual mission, but being in the healthcare business is still so, so rewarding. 
Um, but this, you know, the cool thing about the company I'm working for today is they've actually helped me with this process. I'm, I'm doing a lot of speaking engagements now, and several of them are within my industry. And so they have offered to provide books when I do a, a, a large talk, a couple hundred people, 300 people, and offer the books to the attendees. So they're, it's, it's, it's a really nice relationship you know, combined where I'm responsible still for a big sales position and all of that, but also I'm able to use this outlet and, uh, and continue to give. So that's been great. Yeah. It's, uh, it's been an amazing couple of years with this whole process. So my life has definitely changed in, in many, many ways. You know, and you drove home from being let go. Would you have any clue that over the next few years, things would evolve into this? No, no way. But hindsight, right? You said you don't really get to know kind of the why sometimes until you see some of the things happening. And, and one of the quotes in the book, one of my favorite quotes is Mark Twain's, one of his, where he said the two most important days of a person's life is the day that they're born, which obviously that has a whole lot of meaning. We talked a little bit about that personally for me. And then the second is the day you find out why. And this combination of a, you know, a bam moment, a tragedy, a setback, uh, make a stumbling block, a stepping stone, never could have imagined. But, you know, you sometimes you just have to, have to go and let the how and the what figure it out. But when you've got the why, I've, I've got to do this. The rest of it, you just have to try to go through that with the attitude of, I'm going to make this happen and make this work. So that's what I've tried to do. I love it. I love it. Uh, do you have a favorite? I know you've written even more now. You have 400 or so in the book, and then you're consistently still writing. So you guys will put his Facebook links and stuff below because he's consistently, these words are coming to him. He's consistently getting it out there and posting it and sharing it with others. But do you have a word from your book that you love the most? It's situational. There's a couple. One that I really like because it came early and we've also applied it in our family. I have two daughters, 21 and 18. And it's the phrase, yes, I can. If you start with that, then the how kind of starts figuring itself out. You start looking at possibilities and you may not know how, but you, you start in the right place. And yes, I can came out as you expect success, Y-E-S, in, which is the I, and challenging activities now is can. And I'll tell you a little story about that. When my oldest daughter started playing volleyball in seventh grade, one of the rules of her coach was that until you could serve 10 serves underhanded over the net, you couldn't start the more advanced serving, which was overhand and jump serves and all the stuff that they developed to. So we decided to get a little net and put it in our driveway, and she stepped back, I don't know, 30 feet and tried to get a ball over the net, and it was not going to happen for a seventh grader. There's just no way underhanded. So I don't know. For whatever reason, I said to her, come up to the front of the net, just um, like nose to nose. I'm on one side. You're on the other side. Take one step back, say, yes, I can, and hit the ball over to me from one step. So she did. And then we backed up maybe five steps and she did. And then we backed up maybe 10 steps and she did. And then we stopped. It's enough. You got success in a challenging activity now. And it's not the ultimate yet, but let's leave with a thumbs up positive result and ending our little, our practice session. So then she'd want to come back out more frequently because she wanted to take that 11th step back, et cetera. So that sort of triggered, you know, yes, I can, 
and I'll get there. It's not, yes, I can. I've already accomplished the goal. It's a, yes, I can. Nothing will stop me. I'm motivated and determined inside to make this happen. And then you're on the path of believing and finding out how and asking for help and hitting obstacles and say, that's just a setback, but yes, I can. So that's one of my, one of my favorites is yes, I can. Mm. It's just a way to start things. And, you know, maybe I was thinking about that on the drive home after the layoff. It's like, I can figure this out. And yes, I can. I don't know how, but um, I don't know that maybe that helps. Like in your deepest dive, right? When you're in that lowest point, you got to believe in yourself first. And I think that was one of my favorites. Mm, I love that. I love that. Thank you so much. Yes, I can. And it's on the first page of chapter one. So you guys check out Above the Chatter, Our Words Matter, link to purchasing the book, the YouTube talk, Facebook, so you can connect as well as his website. If you want to get in touch with him about helping him spread this message, either through speaking events or giving back opportunity. Thank you so much, Bruce, for being on the Dreamcast today. It's such a pleasure. Thank you, Denise. Thanks so much for hanging out with us today. I want to hear your aha moment from today's amazing episode. If you could leave a review at whatever podcast player you choose to listen from, Apple Podcast, CastBox, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you're listening from, leave a review and share with us your favorite part of today's episode. Thanks for hanging out and remember to dream big.